All right, well, this morning I want to come to terms with some major issues that are in our society today, and it's about racial reconciliation. I got to tell you, the last 29 years of my life as pastor of this church, I've been very concerned with racial reconciliation. I have pursued, and we as a church have been actively engaged in racial reconciliation. But there is obviously a situation in our land that we have to come to terms with, and we have to break through. And I want to go over some of the terms today because, you know, language is a difficult thing. Uh, we can say the same words, and we can be missing each other completely in the terminology and what it means to you and what it means to me. So let me come to terms with this. And what I mean by that is we're going to come to terms with this, but not from a Republican and a Democrat point of view or an independent. We're going to come from a Christian worldview because too many Christians are coming to these terms based on their political affiliations or their personal experiences. And I want to tell you there's one thing that overrides all of that, and that is your faith in Jesus Christ. So let's come to the first term so we're on the same page. The first term is Christian. Christian. This is what the Webster, Merriman Webster Dictionary says. One who professes belief in the teachings of Jesus. And I've got to tell you, that's not good enough. Do you know how throughout American history we've had people and those assembling in churches that called themselves Christians that were doing heinous things to other human beings, that were riding roughshod over people, that were abusive, yet they professed a belief in the teachings of Jesus. It is not enough to believe in Jesus. May I tell you that what I'm working with from a biblical point of view for this term Christian is this, one who has Christ living in them. There's a vast difference from someone having a cognitive idea in their head about what Jesus said versus the living spirit of holiness dwelling in them, calling them out when they sin, and activating them to do the work of Jesus Christ. There's a big difference. Now, even though we can have people who have Jesus living in us, we still fail to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we still fall to the flesh. But what we do have is the persistent work of Jesus in us. So the first term I want to work with is Christian. What we've been called to in this world is salt and light. Listen, I have been to so many kumbaya services where we have gone to our knees, repented over our racial divides, black and white at the cross, we repent, we cry, we pray, and then we go our separate ways, and on Sunday mornings, we're still the most segregated group in the nation at uh, 10 o'clock on Sundays. That's not good enough, and that's not Christian enough. Jesus in us wants us to truly reconcile these issues. And that reconciliation comes through one thing, and I'm going to repeat it the rest of the day, relationship relationship. Yes, we need to put laws in order. Yes, we need to do uh, change the way certain rules are done and the way there is policing or the way that there is a common decency among pre people. But the key here is, to break that is through relationship. 
We must build relationship. Let's go to the next term. Prejudice. What is prejudice? All right, well, again, according to the dictionary, prejudice is preconceived judgment or opinion. Pre-judication, pre-judication, pre-judging. So having a prejudice is judging something before you fully understand it, fully know it, but you've already formed an opinion of how you're going to stand against a particular situation. You can be prejudiced. Now, you can be prejudiced for or you can be prejudiced against. It's just basically a prejudgment. Most prejudice is based on fear, ignorance, and transference. We prejudge because we're afraid of the way someone looks. We prejudge because we're ignorant of the person's heart or motive. We prejudge because of transference. Well, I heard this, or my parents, in my house it was like that, and so the prejudice is transferred. You, you had an experience once in your life, 10 years ago, with somebody, and that experience transfers to you a prejudice for the rest of your life towards a people, group, or person, or whatever it is. And so relationship breaks fear, relationship breaks ignorance, relationships breaks transference, and we begin to know because of experience one with another. Prejudice. We cannot have full prejudice against people, groups, and gender, and so forth. So prejudice is prejudging. Jesus says this in 2 Corinthians 5.16. From now on, what do you mean by that, from now on? Since Christ has come to inhabit me, from now on. There's a change here, Christian. There's a change. Doesn't matter what your experience has been. Doesn't matter what somebody taught you. Doesn't matter what you saw on the news. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. I will not be prejudiced or prejudge someone based on my experience in the flesh. Christ in me, that hope of glory, is to reach all people at all times and to care. I'm not going to judge anybody, not in my flesh. I'm going to judge by the Spirit of God and the truth of His Word. And so I have to be careful. And I have to watch. Do you know that Most of the people that you're trying, well, let me put it to you this way. The people we're trying to win, they're lost. They are enemies of God. And so if you have prejudice and refuse to build a bridge to them, how are they going to come to Christ? And so we judge no man according to the flesh. The church needs to start memorizing that verse. Let's go to the next one. After prejudice, we have bigotry. What's a bigot, according to the dictionary? A person intolerant of any differing creed or belief or opinion or way of life or race or gender or religion or politic. It's when you prejudge, your prejudice causes you to act. 
To have prejudice within your heart, you can overcome that. But if you choose to follow it, you become bigoted. You are intolerant of different creeds, beliefs, opinions, ways of life. The amazing thing about Christianity and the United States of America, birthed in the Judeo-Christian ethic, is it always gave freedom to everyone to believe what they wanted to believe for whatever religion they wanted to have in the land. To have political views and in fact to speak against what political views? Freedom of speech. So we believe in being tolerant of those liberties. What I find interesting today is those who say and call others bigots and say that you're a hater, they have no tolerance. The people who are saying we're supposed to be tolerant have zero tolerance for a differing opinion. And they may not have a good argument, but they'll shot you down and call you names. That's bigoted. And so they actually, in their heart, thinking they're trying to correct a problem, and they're trying to correct bigotry with louder bigotry. It doesn't make sense. Christian, you're not to be a bigot. Now, what about this? Now, here, we as Christians say this. There's only one way to the Father. That's through Jesus Christ. All other religions are false. Isn't that bigoted? We give the reality of allowing anybody to believe whatever they want. We have the freedom to believe what we want, but we are not bigoted. We are not intolerant of another religion's belief system. We want to have discourse, relationship, and share with them the reality of what we believe to help them see why we believe what we believe. But we don't shut them down and we don't force them down. There's a huge difference. So it's... So the scriptures say this, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are saying that there's no bigotry in Christianity and in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus receives all people and he invites them into the reality of his truth, of his presence. And so we are not bigoted. So the minute Christians act in bigotry, it violates Scripture. Again, we have the ability to speak what is true from Scripture and to uh, give a ready defense for what we believe and to bring uh, with gentleness and meekness an argument for where people stand and to have discourse that is not bigotry. And that is not prejudice. That's a discussion and that is sharing our faith. And we do it knowing that we're trying to reach all people, Jew or Greek, right? Slave or free, male or female, no matter what position you're in. Christians are not to be bigoted. So it would seem that we should be the ones drawing people to the table for discussion. So that we would be peacemakers because the only thing we're defending is the truth of God's word. So we go from prejudice to being a bigot to discriminating. The dictionary says discrimination is to make a difference in treatment on a basis other than individual merit. You may prejudge a situation being prejudiced. 
you may act on that prejudice becoming bigoted, and in that action you discriminate. And so we've got to be careful with these issues. How many of us discriminate from other people? In other words, we prejudge and we treat people differently not based on their individual merit. Well, how are you going to find out someone's individual merit? Relationship. Relationship. Relating to people and people groups of all kinds. And so we must learn how not to discriminate, but relate. Let's look at discrimination. Let's talk about, we're not just talking about black and white here. Let's talk about discrimination. There's gender discrimination. How many of you know that? There's a woman's movement, isn't there? Because for so long, men have dominated women. Women have been second-class citizens, even in the church. We've relegated women and the argument over uh, equal pay and jobs and, and work performance and relationship. Now, we as Christians would say there are different, definitely different designs that God has intended for males and females within nature. But we are not to discriminate according to gender. And so we've got to take a good look at that. That's a whole other sermon. We'll go to that someday. But we all discriminate. I'm here to present to you the Word of God to the Christians who truly have Jesus in them. And every one of us should find ourselves examining our heart to whether we are prejudiced and bigoted and if we discriminate. So do you discriminate against women? Or do you discriminate against men? Men have been forced into a position that they're all slobs and animals and useless. They've been kicked out of homes and families to wander. Marriages are failing miserably because women don't need men to have babies, so they say. And men can't find a place in the home. So we've got discrimination with gender, wouldn't you say? Here's another one, age discrimination. This is a real issue too. Old people are not respected in our society. Young, young, fresh, vibrant, long, strong, right? That's all the images. We put old people in homes. We disregard them. We knock them down, move them over. But at the same time, in the church, you're young. You're, you don't know enough. Sit in the back. We can't use you yet. There's real discrimination on these age issues. Look in Scripture. God, God didn't discriminate age, did he? He called people at 10 and 11 and 12. He called people at 80 and 90. Again, God doesn't discriminate. Why are we if Jesus is in us? How about class discrimination? Here's another issue we have in our culture. The rich and the poor. And the middle class, who is in the middle trying to figure it all out. That middle class is wide. Either you're up towards that rich end or you're down towards that poor end. I don't know where the line is. But we discriminate against poor people. How many of you know that? Look down at poor people. We idolize rich people. Ooh, they had made it. Right? We all get entertained watching TV about the homes they build and the lifestyles they lead. We have celebrities now that the only reason they're celebrities is they're rich. We follow them on our thing. We watch millionaires play games in arenas. 
Sports. And so there's discrimination. And so actually, I was just identifying some discrimination in my own heart while I was saying all this. <laughs> when I think about it, we got to watch it, people. And listen, I'm going out on a limb on this. Uh, today, I, I'm bound to say something to offend somebody that wasn't uh, tolerant. Here's the thing about relationship. Once you learn each other, you become tolerant to misspeaking and misunderstanding. But when we're intolerant with each other, how are we ever going to reconcile? We've got to begin introducing grace into the situation so that we can honestly dialogue. Obviously, the last one I want to talk about today is racial discrimination. You know, I've been thinking a lot, obviously, who hasn't about racial discrimination? We've got a real problem in this United States. And I'm going to refer it to white and black, okay, instead of Caucasian and African American. So just, I mean, white and black, obviously white is the uh, uh, minority, black, is, uh, I'm sorry, white is majority of people, uh, and black is a minority, Hispanic is a minority, right, Asian is a minority. Middle Eastern minority. There's a lot of different minorities. And typically in any country, I've been to a lot of countries, in typically any country, the majority of those people tend to discriminate in their population. Is, do I give license to that? No, not at all. And again, I'm speaking to you as Christians, there's no room for discrimination. We're to treat all people as God's children and to care for them and build relationships. Now, another thing about race, which is interesting, is its impact throughout the United States and its different places and throughout our history. Probably the first people we just absolutely discriminated to such a degree were Native Americans. That needs repentance and figuring out, and we still haven't gotten that correct. And it's decimated that uh, people group. We've intermed the Japanese during World War II. That, that was an interesting thing, right? Now, it, it, obviously, over here on the, on the eastern side, from north to south, there's racial discrimination. Of course, it's through all 50 states. I understand that with blacks. But we have slavery from the south and, and the issue uh, that went on there. But what's interesting is when you go out west and go a little further south, you have great discrimination against, Right? the uh, Hispanic groups, Mexican, and they're treated very poorly. So we've got discrimination all over, don't we? And then there's the argument that those who are black or Hispanic or, or uh, Asian, uh, can they have discrimination against whites? Well, sure, discrimination, bigotry, prejudice is prejudging uh, somebody and acting differently without knowing them, and that's going on all the time with all people groups. Could we at least agree with that? That that is happening. And there are legitimate reasons that people are hurt and people are broken, and we've got another real issue to deal with. And it's a problem. And we're going to go to another term here systemic racism. You're hearing that a lot. And I know, I've seen the videos, I'll, I'll get a slew of texts today. You need to watch this video, Pastor Tim, on systemic racism. There is none. You need to watch this 
uh, video, Pastor Tim, it's horrible systemic racism. I, look, at, I've done my research. I'm doing it. I'm watching it. But the camp you hang out says it doesn't exist. The camp someone else hangs out says it's horribly existing. Look at our cities right now, okay? I'm coming to you as a believer. And what needs to influence the systems of these United States is the Judeo-Christian ethic that we respect all people as human beings and build relationships to understand and break down systemic racism. What does it mean, systemic? It means fundamental to a predominant social, economic, or political practice. In other words, it's infected the systems of our nation. Do the systems of our nation have racism? And some will say, no, no, no. You know, I had it bad when I was a kid. There's no, and I made it and you didn't. Come on. I, I, I have a problem with, with this issue with Christians who say there is no systemic racism. Do you mean to tell me that there hasn't been racism in our economics? That banks and realtors didn't withhold properties and finances and so forth. It's gotten better? Yes. Depends on who you talk to, though, too, doesn't it? But the question is this. Has it been involved in the systems? But we have laws that changed it. Yeah, those laws, we put them on the books. But are they driving the laws of people's own morals? It's an issue that we have to work through and come to the table on. Has there been political racism? Absolutely. Has it been in our systems? Absolutely. We use people groups all the time. Both political sides use people groups to get their votes. It's a type of racism. Cater to this group to get their vote and that group and this group. It's here economically. It's here in our social classes, in our education systems. It has been throughout our history. What I'm here to say is, could it be that someone needs to come to the table and present a resolution that could bring the country to where it should have been in its founding principles? Life, liberty, pursuit of justice, and all people are equal. That means take it out of the system. Now, there is either two groups that are headed that way. Those who want to get to the table and use force and power. Or there are those who want to get to the table and bring a message of reconciliation through relationship. That's the Judeo-Christian ethic. Some will say that didn't work too well. We still had slavery. It was the Judeo-Christian ethic that broke the powers of slavery. So these things do take time because they are infected in the system. But if the Word of God could be produced in each person's heart and we begin to present it, the Christian church has got to show up right now in this hour. People need light and people need salt. Don't go back to your systems and your agendas. Come to the Word of God and present it one-on-one -on -one to people you know and relate to them. So that we can defeat it. Oh, look, at he's got Black Lives Matter up there. How dare you put that up there? Here's another term and another word that means so many different things to people. White privilege. There's no white privilege. 
Those who are in majority have most of the power, and where there is power, there is privilege. There are systems, but at the same time, implemented into the systems have been attempts to resolve systemic racism. Systems that have been put in place to try to bring privilege equally to all people. Sometimes they've worked, sometimes they've failed. But could we say we're trying to get better? We've got to reach to get better. And that's what's happening in the streets. People are saying we've got to get better. And so people are frustrated, people are angry to a place where we're not going to gather around and sing a song and then go back to our systems. They're saying, no, it's got to change. So we've got to do something to change. I don't agree with the violence. I don't agree with using hate to resolve hate. I don't agree with using violence to resolve violence. It makes no sense at all. What I'm calling is for the church to come and bring reconciliation. But you've got to understand the terms. And you've got to understand the terms of prejudice. You've got to understand the terms of bigotry and understand the terms of discrimination. The terms Black Lives Matter means something to, to different people. To African Americans, Black Lives Matter just says, hey, don't I matter? And white people, Black Lives Matter to them means this is a social movement that's violent. I'm, a, I'm afraid of them. And they're tearing and burning up our cities. You say Black Lives Matters, every life matters. And to the black, you're discounting them once again. Those who say, but doesn't my life matter? So the term means something different for each person. If I say you're pro-life, what does that allude to? Abortion. Does it mean, when I say, yeah, we're pro-life, and you say, all life should live. Because you're offending me by saying pro-life just for babies. No, of course not. We know that. That's what you mean. But by saying pro-life, we're talking about abortion and letting babies live. It's the same with Black Lives Matter. What they're saying is, our lives matter. You don't have to correct that and say, all lives matter. We all know that. They're just saying, please, understand me. Ah, but there is a whole other social movement and group that Black Lives Matters is a radical movement of violence. And many white people react to that and say, I ain't saying Black Lives Matter. That's crazy. Do you want me to get on my knees in front of you? And I'm scared. People are afraid. People are freaking out. We don't know what to do. Can I tell you the remedy of this? Talk to one another. Stop shutting each other down. Stop screaming to each other and build relationship. Validate that their life matters. At the same time, look at what we've done to the police. Decimated them. They're going to start walking off and where are we going to be? And they're just frustrated. Do police lives matter? Now, did that offend? Maybe that offended. Because I said black lives matter, now I said police lives matter. But is it true? As Christians, we should say, yes, black lives matter, yes. The lives of the unborn matter, yes. Police, their lives matter, yes. There are good police, there are bad police, there are good blacks, there are bad blacks, there's good whites, there's bad whites. Come on. There's good Christians, there's bad Christians who give Jesus a really bad rap. 
Is this true? So what are we going to do with this? We've got to come together. This is an amazing situation. Look at Paul. Paul tweeted out something 2,000 years ago that, man, got him, would have got him in a big heap of trouble. Paul uh, texted uh, Titus. Okay, he wrote a letter to Titus. He said, Titus, look it, okay, I want you to establish churches uh, in Crete. We had a great revival there. We had a lot of people get saved, and now they need leadership and they need churches. But I got to warn you about the Cretans. He says, hey, even one of the Cretans' prophets and poets said this about them. Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Hey, this testimony is true. What? All of a sudden, throughout Rome, every newspaper said, Paul's a bigot. Paul's prejudice. Did you see what he treated? Tweeted, sorry. I mean, this is fascinating, isn't it, in Scripture for Paul? Now, did Paul call the Cretans liars, beasts, and lazy gluttons? Paul didn't call them that. He quoted what one of their poets said about their culture. Now, that'll get you in trouble, right? Wouldn't you agree? In the uh, tolerance of our culture today. And he says, the testimony's true. I found this out about a people group. But was he bigoted? And did he discriminate? you got to read the rest of the story. Paul said that with this people group, you've got to be careful because there's a cultural dynamic happening in them. But what did he say? Choose their leadership. Call them forward. They are saved. They are joint heirs in Christ Jesus. He didn't hold the gospel back. He built relationship with them. And he built good relationships. He created friendships, mentorships. And he told Titus, call elders, get their leaders together, develop their churches, because here is a strong move of God, and here is a church. And he knows one thing that'll happen. Christ in us will dynamically change us. There are certain traits within each of our cultures. All of our societies, we all have traits, you know that. But we should not be prejudiced nor bigoted according to our traits because through Christ there's no Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. The gospel's for everyone. Our patience, our love, and our tolerance is for everyone. Even the person yelling us down, shouting us down, and even the people who we completely disagree with and those who are even an offense to us. Even those parading around today in their satanic marches. Christ Jesus died for them and they are completely pawns in the hand of a demonic spirit. But who will build relationship to reach them? This is the prime time for the church to come forward. I conclude with this. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. Apostle John is taken into heaven and sees a vision. This is halfway through the 
great tribulation and as he sees all the saints who have been saved in the tribulation period. There are so many people saved in the tribulation. Some people say, you know, well, the church was taken out. These are, these are people that are saved during the tribulation. Well, how do you get saved? You have to come to Jesus. And once you're saved, are you not the bride of Christ? And once you're saved, aren't you the church? Looks to me like there's a church in the tribulation. And all these are believers, and it says there's so many you cannot even number them. Does that sound like an amazing revival during even the tribulation time? You know why? Because the preaching of the gospel doesn't stop. With all the calamity going on, the gospel is preached. With all the hatred going on, the gospel is preached. With all the violence going on, the gospel is preached. With all the pandemics and sickness and disease, the gospel is preached. With all the bigotry and prejudice and violence, the gospel is preached because there are souls to be won. And let me share with you what souls are to be won. He says, after this I saw a vast crowd, two great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were, what were they doing? They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands praising God. There they are, all the people. All you would see is a sea of white robes. So I have one question. How did John recognize that there was every nation, every tribe, every language, and every people group? If everybody's wearing the same clothes, how could you tell that there was someone from Africa? How could you tell there was someone from China? How could you tell there was from someone from uh, South America? Could it be the color of their skin? Hmm. And how is it that there was every known language? Could it be that they spoke in their language of their tribe and tongue? Hmm. I thought everybody that went to heaven turned white. Oh, I'm, I've got that wrong. Everybody that goes to heaven looks Jewish. They're brown. No, everybody that goes to heaven is black. Can we get back to God's creation, his purpose and his plan? That God rejoices in every tribe and every tongue and every nationality and every people group. He saves all people no matter what their bigotry, prejudice, uh, their, their class, their race, their gender. He saves all people. And if the church can't get this right, I spoke on this a couple weeks ago, we should know better. If we are going to judge the angels and judge the world, we better get this right. Step up, Christian. Step up. Stop getting behind your political platform and get behind Jesus Christ. Start speaking to the situation, but speak to people. Everybody's an armchair quarterback. 
watching all of your uh, uh, YouTubes and, and your podcasts, having all your opinions in your house. Get on the streets and start talking to people, relating to people, winning people through your love for Jesus Christ to what Christ says. All people of all nations and all tribes are going to be worshiping together. Don't you think we should learn how to do that here before we get there? The church should be filled with all nations, all races, all people. Instead, we all choose our separate buildings to worship Jesus in. And the Holy Spirit is so grieved by this foolishness. And I conclude... The reason and the one example we see in Scripture by which all nations, tribes, and tongues can come together is because they agree on one thing that permeates everything else. Jesus Christ is Lord. We may not be able to get secular people to understand and ever agree. We may not ever be able to appease all the different attitudes but we do have an answer, whether they accept it or reject it. And even if you reject it, I will still love you in Jesus. That is that Christ Jesus died for all people. Let us, people, come to terms. Let us come to terms and act as those filled with the spirit of holiness and the compassion of Jesus. Will you start walking as Jesus walks, speaking the truth in love, building relationships with all people? Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you today for the ministry of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Continue to speak and continue to move and prompt us. I call out the sin, O oh God, of bigotry and discrimination within your church. And I call for your people to rise up and build relationships one with another. God, to break down the flesh activities of discrimination and to build the kingdom of God in love and in grace. I pray that you'll deal with each one of us uniquely today, Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.